CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. It's time for another Benny J bonus interview brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. Bonus time of the Ben Drosky Show as I speak. It is what? Oh, Thursday, January 19th, 2023. What is the news and the headlines today? Well, let's uh, let's just start with this headline. It has nothing to do with the city of Chicago, but it's what's going on in the world, and it's on my mind. It's probably somewhere in the back of my distinguished guest's mind. Trump's allies in House win pivotal posts. <laughs> Powers of investigation handed to far right. Wow, this is all about um, Kevin McCarthy uh, becoming Speaker of the House, uh, largely because he pretty much promised uh, the world uh, to... Uh, the extreme MAGAites. I say extreme MAGAites like there's a difference between uh, a MAGA person of the Marjorie Taylor Greene persuasion and one of just your, I don't know, uh, Mary Miller persuasion here in, in the state of Illinois when really they're all kind of cut from the same cloth. Uh, but to remind you, ladies and gentlemen, there was an insurrection in January 6th where Trumpists uh, took, to, took over the Capitol to try to threaten Mike Pence and the Senate and the Congress into stealing the election from Joe Biden and handing it over to Donald Trump. They failed in that effort, but in some ways they succeeded because two years later they have taken over Congress. It's a very upsetting moment, very frightening moment, perilous moment, I would say, for democracy uh, in this country. Because these people don't believe in democracy. They believe in might is right and their way is the only way. And they believe whatever lies they tell themselves. I'm not even sure they believe the lies they tell themselves. They just keep repeating those lies. Anyway, that's what's going on in the national news. Uh, and I am now going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hello, Ben Jowski. This is Lenny Manah Hoppenworth. And I'm running for 48th Ward, Alderwoman, and it's really great to be here. Yes, it's really great to have you, Lenny. Uh, and part of the reason uh, I chose to begin with the introduction I began with is that folks who've listened to my podcast for a while will recognize Lenny's name. She was a regular on this show uh, talking about the fight against MAGA. Since the moment Donald Trump got elected in 2016, Lenny was on the front lines here in the city of Chicago uh, trying to build like, like a, a network of resistance against MAGA. And not only would she come on the show uh, and talk to me uh, about uh, what's going on with Indivisibles uh, in Chicago and in Illinois, but she would always be connecting me to people outside of Chicago allies in this larger struggle folks downstate upstate wisconsin michigan uh frontline lenny i called her 
and uh, a really valuable asset to my show and someone that I uh, really appreciate. I have much gratitude for. I had to say that, Lenny. We began the show because now you're on a local level. You're running for Alderwoman of the 48th Ward. Uh, and in some ways, it may be hard for people to understand that transition between being on the front lines of the resistance against Trump and running locally. So why don't you just comment a little bit about that at the outset? Go ahead. Yeah. So, of course, 2016 happened. And I don't know where you were, but I was sitting on my couch with my kids watching the election results come in and literally watching my TV turn from blue to red and feeling really alone, you know, what, what to do. And, and I, I got active. Um, I brought 10,000 people with me from Illinois to DC and back for the women's March. In fact, it's six years almost to the day. Right. And weirdly we, women and people who have you know we have less even less rights than we did back then which is just wild then this is wild this is the the world that we live in today but we also know that um all the things that we're talking about back then is accelerated now and what what is hopeful to me though ben is that people are seeing more and more that our struggles are interrelated and interconnected. Um, I was really grateful to have stood up an indivisible statewide group, indivisible Illinois, the one that you were talking about, to connect with people across the state, like Sarah Bingaman and Candace Davis, you know, all of them at Worthington, um, Scott Cross, all of those across the state who can talk about ways that we can resist uh, administration of hate because it's not just one group of people whose rights were under attack. It was everybody. You know, we, in Chicago, we stood up when they when they had the Muslim ban and we went out uh, into the streets to to protect our neighbors and and at the airports. And we did it again with healthcare when they wanted to take it away, right? And we watched our disability neighbors chain themselves, you know, to the steps of Capitol buildings when they wanted to to uh, repeal Obamacare, and then we did it again when they wanted, and they did. They 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 have they have struck down um, our rights to abortions. And in Illinois, we are doing all that we can to protect our borders, to make ourselves sanctuary uh, to anybody who needs an abortion, um, because that's who we are. That's who our leadership is, and that's why I'm glad to live in Illinois. But now that that I'm running for alder person, alder woman. I'm calling myself alder woman Bendrovsky because I can right now. <laughs> uh, I am running for alder woman in the 48th ward. In fact, I wanted to share with you, I don't know if you know this, but the 48th ward sent one of the first women to city council in 1971 and, and has been led by many women throughout the years. So this ward has been led um, by, for instance, Kathy Osterman, who is a champion of the human rights ordinance in Chicago and is, and is um, in the LGBTQ plus Hall of Fame um, because of her work with that. Um, we, I live in Andersonville, which is a blue bubble in the world. We are the, I don't know if you know this, but we are the second coolest place to live in the world right now. Um, we also wanna be 
the second coolest. Yeah, behind Copenhagen. Oh, um, Copenhagen's first. Okay, I, I, I didn't even. Uh, who made the list, by the way? Oh, time out. But anyway, oh. we want to. We want to be not just cool. We want to be the most welcoming. You know, it starts here. It starts local, and that's why I'm really excited to run for alder person, alder woman in the 48th ward. Because look, as an alder woman, I would represent everyone. It's a nonpartisan race. It it means that it doesn't matter what your political affiliation is. In fact, I've met, I've met Democrats, of course, because we live in the 48th ward, which is basically Devon to uh, parts of Uptown and then Clark Street to the lakefront. And, you know, my congressional representative is Jan Schakowsky and my state representative is Kelly Cassidy and my committee woman is Carol Ronan, you know? And so we have all of these progressive leaders in this ward, but um, it doesn't matter what your political affiliation is. As an alder woman, I would represent you. And that's really the job of an alder person, an alder woman, to represent everybody, no matter who you are, how much money you have, what you, what you do for a living, how well you're connected, how if you're not connected at all to a political uh, person, um, and and it speaks to the fact that really community is at the center when it comes down to local politics and your networks. I did that at the statewide level, connecting people like you. Um, to places beyond our borders so that we could fight for our democracy for at the federal level. And we could have to continue to do that today. But we know that the fight, the real fight of it is locally. And we see that every day in our school systems, our public school systems across the nation. We see that in our suburbs, not too far away from me, you know, with a lot of misinformation and disinformation that's coming out and that's seeping out from media, you know, and into social media, we have a lot of fights on our hands, but we can do this at, at our dinner tables, at our, at the schools, um, in our classrooms to fight disinformation. And we're doing it every day here because there are a lot of things that we need to fix. We need to make sure that people have the things that they need to not only survive, but to thrive. And I'm talking about, you know, this article that just came out in New York times talking about the, um, the mother of the children. Did you hear about this in Detroit? She it, it, she went through a mental health crisis mm -hmm. then, and she took her kids out, and the weather got um, so cold um, that yeah, they were they she 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 did not know where to go for help. This is this is wrong. She she ended up dying with um, two of her children. Um, thankfully, the third one is still alive and, and could get help but this is what this is a manifestation of um systems that have been broke for too long and covid has just accelerated the the issues that we have so we are in a crisis right now nationally and we know what's happening you know what's happening at the national level you know um are we even going to um have a working government right now you know or is it going to shut down you're talking about the budget um we live in chicago where things are amazing um and i love it here everybody that i talk most everybody that i talk to at the doors have said i love it here i don't want to move out of the 48th ward you know either they either say i've been here for generations or i just moved here and i and i don't want to leave we are one of the most dense and diverse 
wards in Chicago with maybe one of the, yeah, one of the highest populations of LGBTQ people who live in this ward. And it's for a reason. It's because we open our doors and we welcome everybody. And that's the way that we want it to stay. All right. Yeah, I lost you a little bit there. But uh, uh, let me break in and, uh, and sort of like center uh, us on the reality of Chicago politics. Uh, I do believe that Chicago is, all these years I've been criticized Chicago, is actually far more democratic, a small d, uh, than let's say Washington is right now with MAGA. Uh, MAGA does not believe in democracy. They just want a MAGA to win always, even when they lose. So here we are in the city of Chicago, where people more or less abide by the results of the election. Uh, and uh, we have a thriving uh, democracy in regards to almost every ward in the city, I think four wards are, there's no opposition, uh, but almost every other ward has a whole contingent of candidates running. Uh, now your ward, the 48th ward for years was represented by a gentleman named Harry Osterman, whose mother you already alluded to was a previous alderman. Uh, he had many, uh, terms where he was, uh, ran unopposed. Uh, and the people got comfortable with Osterman as the alderman. He decided he wasn't going to run again. Uh, and it's, I think there's eight candidates in the race. I think I, I got that right. Uh, and so it's why there's, there's ten. 10. Okay. My bad. I apologize. Uh, 10 is corrected by Lenny. Not the first time Lenny has corrected me. Uh, so there's 10 candidates wide open race uh in in andersonville in the 48th ward on the north side of chicago so here's my first question uh there's a multitude of issues we can get into but this is the i ask this question of every alderman and candidate who's running alderman in many ways is a job that you just get clobbered like you get blamed for everything that's wrong uh, and you very rarely get praised for anything that even re remotely resembles being right. Uh, people will call you. They'll know your name. They won't know their state senator or their state rep's name. Uh, any little problem, they will call Alderwoman Lenny. And that's just the reality. Uh, and if they get mad, I just saw this. Uh these, these people in the 47th Ward, they wanted to put lights in Wells Park, and ultimately the Park District turned them down, and they're all mad at Matt Martin, the alderman. <laughs> they're all mad at Matt Martin because they didn't get their way. I'm mad. So no, if anything goes wrong, they're going to be mad at Alderwoman Lenny. Why would you want this job, Lenny? Oh, Ben, I, I really want this job. I'm like, you know, I quit working at the Reader so that I could be a candidate for this job. You know, the fact that I had to raise so much money, and I'm glad you brought up Matt Martin because he's my hero for bringing up campaign finance reform, you know, it's because that is one of the ways that you keep good people from running because you have to raise so much money into the system. But I wanna be alder person because I wanna be an alder woman because this, it matters. Representation matters. It doesn't matter what your issue is. It matters how it's addressed, in my opinion, because 10 people are running, Ben, and it's awesome. It's kind of a testament to all the work that Indivisible IL-9 and Indivisible IL-Vote and Indivisible Illinois has been doing the last six years, getting people registered to vote. 
spend, but not just registered to vote, getting people out to vote and not just getting people out to vote, getting the electorate engaged in and educated about who's running and what's on the ballot, you know, and speaking to, you know, the resources that are available out there from the grassroots, including our friend Stephanie Scora with Girl I Guess Guide. I mean, that's that's the kind of stuff that we have been sharing around for years now to get people engaged in every election because you know our municipal election is on February 28th in the middle of winter. Who's gonna wanna go out and vote in the middle of winter for what is a municipal election anyway? You know, it matters. Every election in this one is gonna be even more historic than all of those unopposed elections that, that you're talking about that here, here you were talking about with our current older person. This is gonna be the first in many, many years that the 48th Ward is gonna have a choice of 10 people. I'm the best candidate, Ben Jarofsky, and my name is the longest on the ballot. <laughs> all right. But I wanna say that, look, we we ha we might have a chance to have a, uh, you know, a chance to, to vote on the mayor of your choice and also a third of city council is leaving. Right, so it's going to matter for you to get out and vote, and that's really been the message that I've been talking about for many years now. Get out and vote, and um, get yourself educated about who's on the ballot, including the new police district councils, which is the first in the nation. That we are going to be able to elect three of our community representatives in each of the police districts in the city of Chicago, and that's the first in the nation. Historic. I want to be a part of that, Ben. I'm running because I want to be a part of history. It matters. All right. So let's uh, then uh, break away from that and get into some of the individual uh, issues. Uh, and I, as I told you before uh, we started, I just last night I was moderating a forum in the 30th Ward uh, for candidates. Again, it's an open seat. The young, similar to yours, the incumbent, in that case, Ariel Boyas, is stepping down. Uh, and these are just the, like, the pivotal wardwide issues that I hear everywhere I go. So we'll start with uh, the obvious one, crime. Crime and policing and criminal justice. What would you as Alderwoman Lenny do uh, to uh, cut back on crime in the city of Chicago? Well, you know, firstly, I wanted to say that one of the jobs of the alder women is to protect the interests of the ward, right? And one of the things that I wanna do is, is protect the very cool features and of the, the unique characteristics of all of our neighborhoods. Like our, even in our ward, we have many different neighborhoods. And so additionally to that, I am a representative from my ward into city council along with 49 others. And together we vote on the city budget. And currently our city budget, 40% of it goes to policing. And yet people are, when they're talking about public safety right now, not everybody feels safe, number one. And two, when people are talking about public safety, it's not necessarily in the way of crime. It's also talking about um, how you get around the city of Chicago. For instance, I'm thinking of bikers um, and too many children have been um, who have been um, hit basically and who have died. And we just had one in, in Uptown not too long ago, a child died because um, there was a truck in the bike lane. So public safety means a lot, but in terms of crime, we can't ignore the fact that people are reporting on 
crimes that are happening on the north side and the and they're saying things like you know i've been here for 30 years and it was bad before and it got good and now it's and now it's getting worse again but who knows you know what kind of um um news diet they might be you know having including um the the option to listen to all the posts you know on so many different um, social media platforms including next door right every single thing that happens but also regardless of that fact we are still in this covid journey and so everybody across the nation across the globe is still feeling the impact and many people are unstable we see it because we see it because people are living in the streets ben they're living on the cta ben they're living on the streets and and the fact that there is crime that is happening and that there that there that that is being reported on it points to what are we going to do as a city about this and that's the reason why i'm excited to talk about the new police district councils for the empowering communities for public safety which everybody is going to get to vote on on february 28th there's three district council members that you could vote on it uh, on your ballot um, according to where you live and it will be by police district so that's very very new on your ballot and those folks are going to be the ones that are going to be leading the way and in, in talking about public safety from the ground up because as i said in in our ward alone we have many different villages in fact i think we have at least 19 different block clubs and there are so many condo associations and as you know the city can change its um, personality if you just turn the corner block by block. So when you're talking about, you know, how is it that we're going to keep each other safe? Communities keep each other safe by having strong communities, and having strong communities will will make us safer and also take care of all of us. If we take care of everybody in our community, including housing, including healthcare, and in healthcare, including mental health supports, and I'm thinking about the woman with the family in Detroit who froze to death because she couldn't find or she couldn't have access. She somehow she didn't get access to the mental supports that she needed. And, and we can prevent that from happening if we just created a, a better system for people to plug in and to create communities where people understand where to turn to when something happens, including when you have a mental health crisis, you know, mental health it's in the in in my family we didn't really talk about um mental health in the way that um everybody goes through things you you can you can get a mental health pr provider nowadays it's mental taking care of yourself is really important we talk about it in schools we talk about it at the city level but we still don't have the structures in place to really keep there's i'm thinking about my friend ben who um is a dancer and um and 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 we have a lot of great memories dancing together but she was in crises and i took her from her home i brought her to my neighborhood and we had meal we 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 and you know cigarettes and all of this stuff but then where where do you go from there you know she's in crises she can't come home with me i'm i'm not i'm a physical therapist I'm not a social worker i'm not a counselor and so as she's having a crisis in the middle of andersonville what do you do and so i'm calling my social worker friends it's a sunday by the way right it's in the middle of covid right it's getting late it's starting to rain she's in crisis i don't know what to do 
And so my friend said, Lenny, at this point, you've done all you can, you have to call 911. And so I did. And so what happened is I asked, I said, I please, I really don't want to call you, but my friend is in crisis and I really appreciate it if somebody could come out who has uh, training in crisis intervention, right? And so what happened is that the cop car comes around the corner quickly, too fast, parks in the middle of the street with the lights on. And of course she sees it. And it's, this is this makes you worse <laughs> because she's lucid enough to say, you know, I'm I'm okay. I didn't do anything wrong. You can't uh, you can't arrest me. And then the cops are standing there saying to me, "What do you want me to do, Lenny? We're not in the business of sweeping people off the streets. This is um, this is the gap that we need to address." They said the cop said to me, "We don't work." for those people that you called, you know, the nonprofit people, there's no connection there. I said, what do you want me to do about it? And they said, they said, what do you want me to do about it? I said, well, what, what do you want me to do about it? And they said, you know what, you should call your alderman. <laughs> you should call your alderman and see what he says. Well, you know, since then there, there has been a state wide um, I don't know if you know wait, about Wait, 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 wait. A friend of yours was having a breakdown on the streets of Edgewater and uh, the police, this is my point. They, what, what would Harry Osterman, that was the alderman, what would he do? Well, that, not, that's what I'm saying. I think that people- Not a worker either. Well, yes. I mean, that's that's the same thing as, you know, you get crimed in the middle of the night. Who are you going to call? Are you going to call your alderwoman? I mean, this is the reason why we have systems so that we can understand what everyone does yeah. so that we can work together. And so the job of an older woman is to work with all the parts of the system so that everybody is getting what they need. I don't I don't know. Like the, even the cops were like, look, we're we're taking um, the trainings. We're doing all that we can. You know, the right now the um, law enforcement has maybe one of the highest rates of suicide. And that's not cool. You know, we have to take care of of ourselves. And that includes law enforcement. You know, um, everybody needs mental health support. We yeah. all do. But but when it comes down to, um, you know, somebody on the street with who has a gun and who who doesn't have a gun and, you know, and how you wield it and who has who has authority to use, you know, weapons. Um, we need to talk about this, Ben, and we aren't doing it fast enough. People are, you know, getting lost because they're they're getting lost in the system. I think about my my um, my our dear friend who worked at the Chicago Reader, black trans activist. You know, she worked for Chicago Therapy Collective, and she worked for trans rights, and she went missing, Ben. And the community stood up and 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 did search parties and looked for her. And we still don't know exactly what the story is, but I miss her. I miss her. We have to do better. We have to prevent deaths from happening. And and we as as a society should do it right now because people are asking for it. And as older women, I would I would do that. I would listen to what people have to say and see what is it that we have in place already and what is it that we can do better the city has a whole um 
strategy for, you know, for um, trauma-informed care. It's laid out really nicely on a website. How are we implementing that at a citywide level and also at a at a ward level so that every every person understands, including our public school system, including our libraries, including our chambers of commerce, you know, who who are saying, look, Lenny, we're trying really hard and we're doing the best we can and we want outdoor dining in the summertime, but also there are a lot more people that are out on the streets that are, you know, that are begging for money, for cash, for food, for tampons, Ben. Somebody's like asking for tampons, you know, as I'm having my coffee outside, you know, everybody is feeling it. And so what do we need to do? We need to find ways to stabilize people. And that includes housing people first, housing people first, and then providing them with all the wraparound services that they need, including um, finding ways for them to be more food secure, finding ways to for them to get daycare if, if needed for their families, finding um, parental assistance in any other way and mentoring, um, finding ways for um, people to get domestic violence abuse support if they're survivors. And, and also in the meantime, talking about why why it matters that we are talking about inclusivity. And I, again, I think about Elise and, and my trans siblings, that we need more public awareness of why inclusivity matters and that people have rights to exist. I think about um, JB signing that law that makes you know Illinois a sanctuary state. And, and we need that at the citywide level too. If we are truly to be a sanctuary city, then we will include everyone, including including our trans siblings. All right, now I'm gonna move you on to the next topic that uh, every alder uh, woman or man uh, gets, or alder person, whatever, uh, and that is property taxes. So now you've uh, laid out all the different uh, things that you think the city needs in terms of uh, dealing with crisis intervention and uh, mental health issues, it costs money. Uh, and I'm sure wherever you go, when you knock on those doors in the 48th Ward, that's the sound of Lenny knocking on the door. Uh, you'll at least at some point confront somebody who's complaining about their property taxes. And if you don't come over and knock on my door and I'll complain about my property taxes. So what uh, do you propose that uh, the city council do with you as a member uh, to lower the, uh, the property taxes uh, in the city of Chicago so that we're not so dependent to pay for all these services with the property tax? Go ahead. Well, I think that again, I think that it's it it can't be on Chicago to fix this. You know, we are not the ones who created this issue. We really need to look at the state and federal levels and the way that we fund our public schools right now. If we had passed a fair tax like we plan to do, then that would have alleviated a lot of burden on our property owners, but we didn't. So we need to continue to push to pass a fair tax in Illinois, you know? And then the other thing is that we rely too heavily on, on property taxes in general. And we also are in a housing crisis for affordable housing then. So if we had more affordable housing, if we had more properties that would actually help with the tax burden. And if we think about it, how is it that we can make it 
as equitable as possible, that needs to be a citywide strategy, right? It, it can't fall upon like the 48th Ward to fix the inequities of our public school system and how it's funded. Um, but but we do feel, and I, I hear it all the time, I, uh, I hear um, families who have been in their homes for generations and they're having trouble paying their taxes. I hear it from small landlords of people who own the, you know, two, three, four flats, and um, they're having trouble both maintaining their building and also keeping long-term rentals in there and also paying property taxes. So we have to figure out ways to make it easier for people to pay their bills and um, maintain their buildings so that they can keep. I, I feel very lucky that 24 years ago, after my husband and I graduated from physical therapy school, that we found our, our way to the 48th ward. And this building that I'm in, now it's it's a it's a three bedroom, one bath on the third floor, Clark and Somerdale. And thankfully, you know, we were able to make it work, but it was only because our landlord offered us affordable rent. Affordable which is considered affordable rent right now. And we need more landlords who, and, and I'm, I know I'm switching over from taxes too, but I'm, it is all related to affordability. People don't want to leave Chicago because it's become too affordable. So how is it that we can make it affordable for both renters and, or, and property owners and house owners to stay in Chicago? Because we have so many things that they wanna stay for, but, but our, tax system is broken and we have, need to fix it at the state level then. Well, that is for certain. Uh, you won't get an argument from me on that. Uh, we push very hard uh, on this show for the fair tax and the voters of the state of Illinois uh, did not agree with me. It wasn't the first time uh, the voters disagreed with me. And uh, so enjoy your property taxes, ladies and gentlemen. I know that's really cruel and mean and nasty of me to say. Uh, and that's why if I were running for all around, I'd never get elected anything. Because I would tell, oh, voters, heck of a job in that last election with that fair tax. You dummies. Anyway, I'm sorry. All right. Uh, this is uh, one of my favorite topics uh, to ask any aldermanic candidate. And that has to do with what I call the creeping movement of democracy in the city of Chicago. And I say this wherever I go, wherever form I'm at. I've been watching with great delight as Chicago becomes more democratic and why do i mean by that lenny we are about to have an elected school board as opposed to the mayor just appointing the school board and having them be her rubber stamps which is the way it has been since mayor daly in 1995 uh where as you pointed out police councils that will have a say uh, in at least advising or making recommendations about strategies uh, for policing and uh perhaps even who is the uh police chief uh, and then there is a growing movement toward democracy in the Chicago City Council. And I give a lot of the credit to uh, the, uh, an alderman that you just mentioned, Matt Martin, 47th Ward Alderman, who rebelled uh, in about three or four months ago uh, and asked <laughs> that uh, he get to be uh, the chair of the Ethics Committee. I know that sounds funny, an Ethics Committee in the city of Chicago, but there is one, uh, because the uh, incumbent chair had stepped down. And uh, there was a vacancy and it wasn't, it's not very democratic for the mayor, who is the executive, to choose the legislative branches, council chairs. Uh, that is the exact opposite of the whole concept 
of uh, a government in which one branch looks out for the, you know, has its own power as a check and balance on the other branch. So here's the question. No ducking and dodging, Lenny. Uh, if you were Alderwoman Lenny, uh, would you go side with Matt Martin on allowing uh, the Alderwoman and Aldermen to determine who the chairs are? Or you would side, or would you side with uh, Lori Lightfoot, Mayor Lightfoot, uh, and say that it uh, we need uh, the mayor to determine chairs? Go. Well, firstly, you you presume that I would be as Alderwoman under a Mayor Lightfoot administration. So number one, and then two, I would I am for what Matt did. I thought it was great and. We need to we need to push for progress because we live in Chicago, you know we we are blue through and through, and we you know that's that's who we are. We want to move forward, and what we're what we have done in the past is, you know we we need to empower um, city council to do its job, which is to make the city work for all of us. You know, every single one of us that, that that's the job of an older person and we need to work together to do that. And um, and that includes with the mayor. So, in other words, you're saying uh, let the council pick its own chairs. Yeah, I mean, tr truly, I'm not I'm not in the room to know exactly what the process is, Ben, but. I love that Matt Martin did that. I love that he did that. And and the fact that I didn't even I didn't know what the process was. The fact that he did that and it created a little bit of a bubble. Great, you know. Let's talk about it more. Why has it been like that in the past? And does it work? Who does it work for? And why? That's what I want to know. That's why I want to run for alderwoman because I want to be at that table, Ben. I need to be at that table to to hear the conversations. I don't know what I don't know. Uh, I can't. If you get to be uh, to be older woman and you're at the table here in the concert conversations, please feel free to come on the show and tell us what they're saying behind the scenes, uh, so that we, the people, know. I've been looking on the outside looking in for forty years, Lenny. I have no idea what they say. Oh, get me elected, Ben. I will share everything <laughs> with you. Transparency uh, is like it's my water. I love it. I think it's uh, it's really important. Democracy really depends on integrity of our systems, right? And that means empowering the people to to be engaged. But, you know, the one thing that we've been fighting for far too long is is not, you know, even the extremism, it's apathy, yeah. because in Chicago, that's what happens yeah. when people are apathetic. They don't vote. And especially when it's in the middle of December or December in the middle of uh, wintertime, February 28th is, is Election Day. And, and and people are like, I just voted. Yeah, but the next vote is gonna be the most important one. So you gotta get out to vote. Oh, okay. If I if I have you know time that day. No, no, Ben, you make a plan to vote. You make a plan to vote. Do you make a plan to vote? Yes, you're preaching to the choir in this one, Lenny. I listen, I always laugh when people I get to vote again. Oh, poor little baby. <laughs> I love voting. You know, and uh, uh, yeah, I've I've never missed an election. It's just the concept, the idea of not voting is just so foreign and alien to me. And yet, I realize I'm in the minority. We are in the minority, Lenny. Uh, in the last mayoral election, I believe it was around 35 percent of the people uh, voted. Of the uh, registered voters voted. I'm not great at math, okay, but 
I believe that means 65% did not vote. And the last time I looked, and I just want you to know, Lenny, I took algebra at Evanston High School. The last time I looked, 65 is more than 35. So, yes, we are in the minority, and that is pathetic. And that is really pathetic. Yeah, I was I was an election coordinator, you know, yes. in, in 2018. And by the way, if if you want to work on election day and be an election judge or election coordinator, I mean, those are paid positions, but but that's that's a great way to participate on election day, too. But I was so excited, you know, I had been doing the work of registering voters, Ben, and, you know, getting people deputized to become deputy voter registrars. And then I signed up to 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 work all day at the polls at the Swedish American Museum in Andersonville. And then and then the next day I saw what the turnout was. Do you know what the turnout was, Ben? It was it was 32 percent. It's 32 percent in my precinct. Yeah. And I and I went to my committee woman and I said, what what the shit is this? What <laughs> did, like this is nuts. Like it, at the federal level, we're fighting like fighting every day for our democracy. And at the local levels, no one should like th not no one like we go to vote. But 30, 32 percent or something nuts like that. That and then that uh, it turns out that that's like a normal percentage, Ben. That's that shouldn't be normal. We should we should normalize, you know, 100 percent turnout and not 30 percent turnout. That's that's not going to help any kind of democracy if people don't get out to vote. You know, I'm, I'm talking about the people who are registered to vote. I understand. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I agree. And uh, it's something that you and I will always see eye to eye on. All right, uh, Lenny, we uh, pretty much run out of time uh, here on this interview. Uh, and, uh, so I'll give you a final chance just to spell your name for people. If they want to, if they like what they heard, they want to reach out to you, or if they dislike what they heard, they want to write you an angry letter. Hey, don't do that. All right. Just keep it to yourself. Uh, so spell your name, Lenny, go ahead. Lenny Manah Hoppenworth, L-E-N-I-M-A-N-A-A-H-O-P-P-E-N-W-O-R-T-H. I have a website, Lenny for 48th. Dot com. My name will be the longest on the ballot for Alderwoman of the 48th Ward. I'm a queer woman of color, the daughter of Filipino immigrants, and representation matters. And Ben, we all do better when we all do better, period. All right. Very good, Lenny. Thank you so much. Uh, best of luck to you. And I'll be talking to you one way or the other real soon, all right? Thanks, Ben. All right, that's Lenny. I'm Ben. Take care, everybody.